Welcome to the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast, where we talk with martial arts practitioners about their histories and the influence that their practice of martial arts has on their lives. You are listening to the free version of this podcast, which is abbreviated. Help support this program by considering to subscribe to us on Patreon, where you will get four full-length podcasts each month, one week before the YouTube release date. The cost is that of about one coffee shop coffee per month. Go to www.patreon.com slash malmag to subscribe. That is www.patreon.com slash M-A-L-M-A-G. If you would like to purchase single full-length episodes of the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast, visit our Gumroad page at malmag.gumroad.com. And that is M-A-L-M-A-G dot G-U-M-R-O-A-D dot com. This week, I talk with actor, voiceover artist, and martial artist Ryan Burke. We talk about his history and coming back from a pretty major medical issue. Welcome to the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast. And today, I've got a special guest. Well, they're all special. Hate to say that (laughs) not everyone's special, but you're all special at the same time. Uh, This is... uh, an old friend of mine, or I say old friend, or, or somebody I've known for several years, and I found a very interesting uh, human being down here at the Inosanto Academy. And he's a voice you may have heard and don't realize that you have, because he is a voice that's in a lot of audiobooks. So I'm going to let him tell a little bit about himself in that way and other ways. Uh, welcome, Ryan Burke. Right on. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So I'm guessing you want a you want a mini biographical? Yeah, let's do a mini biographical real quick. Okay. Um, hmm. What I'm doing now is audiobooks and like uh, industrial voiceover, uh, and I guess where that took off, it took off before the pandemic, but it really took off during the pandemic. So I had built a, uh, a studio bricks setup in my apartment, and I was very good at media managing digitally. So never had to really see anybody and I could deliver uh, quickly and uh, with minimal direction. So it's just one of those things where I was in uh, the correct place and time to really boom my business. Um, And then it's been a few years of catching the right wave. Uh, Mm. So when people ask me, how do you get in? I'm like, I don't know. I have (laughs) no idea Uh, because it's, it's, it's such a burning platform. Things change so quick. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, like I had a buddy of mine, he was, he was hard up for work and he was like, I tried narration for a while and there's just no money in it and da 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 da. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like the, it, like the positioning of coming in as a new entrant, it's the wild west now. Whereas when it was first emerging in 2012 and things like that, like that was when iTunes jo- joined the distribution uh, sphere. You know, before that it was a lot of like CDs. Right, he, yeah. He, so like once it hit that level, that meant Audible came in and then Audible got optioned by uh, Amazon, created an ACX network. So I kept catching these correct waves after failing miserably in other areas of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost failed my way into this. It just, to, you know, by happenstance, I was in the right place. And I was like, oh, they're going to do this now. Catch that wave. Oh, they're going to do this now. Catch that wave. So now I am sitting on about... I've directed about 450 audiobooks wow. with mixed talents. So there's like people who are a- A-listers that I've done uh, direction with. And that's a different experience when you're sitting in a room working with somebody who's on TV and in film for like a week or two weeks. Right. Getting through their biography, you know. Yeah. And you're like hearing things and you're like, 
wow, I shouldn't hear half of this. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, catching the right way for self-production because, you know, even when I was doing a lot of uh, directing, um, my employers got really comfortable with going, no, 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 you're going to keep directing. And I'm like, I started as an actor, come on. Right, right. Uh, so I had to actually, you know, uh, be a bit of a cowboy and jump out of the studio and build my own. I built my first audio studio in a closet. And that was where I landed my first big author, Chris Fox. And he was just starting. But since I had directed so many books, I was like, this book is candy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how many are you doing? And he's like, well, forever. And so I was like, Ooh, job security. let's go. Yeah. Uh, and then he led me to other authors. And it's been such a trip since then. Needless to say, now I've done about 250 titles with my own voice under various aliases, but I've got 200 under my, under my name. Wow. But like I use aliases. So that's like a version of ghost writing, yes. ghost voicing. Yes. Yeah. So like those other aliases, someday everyone will discover what those are. But uh, it has to do with just, yeah, I knew where to position myself. Mm -hmm. Some of it had to do with, every, some narrators use their names for everything, right? And there's a reason why you wouldn't want to. One is practical. Like if you're doing adult fiction, right. you don't want to have your name with that if you're going in for other big games. Sure, of course. Yeah. There's that argument. pulling, because that never happens in entertainment anymore. Right. They're like, you said a bad word once. I'm like, I was paid to say the bad word. <laughs> uh, and it was a character I was playing. Yeah, like, you paid me. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, it wasn't me. <laughs> right. So then there's, there's that. And then there's the other side, which is I realized that... Uh, I realized that the, due to algorithms and how um, audience members consume media very quickly, mm -hmm. they might not know the narrator very well. So here's the thing: you yeah, create, you create, and it's not what sticks out to them, right? Yeah, but, it's not what yeah. but like the algorithm places you with author and with right. narrator, right? Yeah. So if you're re reading in a particular genre under a certain name. And then you, yeah. that's going to recommend them out, outside of the, they're like, what? And most people are point yeah. click. They just go, they got a couple audible credits. They go, bye-bye. And, right. and then they give a bad review and you get roasted. Yeah. So part of me was going, well, I need to have brand differentiation with all these different aliases. Right, right. And so when, it, when uh, audiobook publishers talk to me, they're like, why did you do that? I'm like, here's why it goes that way. <laughs> because there's the way computers think and the way humans think. Right, yeah, yeah. So that helped me. Uh, and then that also gives me way more titles than what people assume. They look up my, my name and they go, I only see 200. I'm like, yeah, there's a lot more. <laughs> um, and the same thing goes with industrial voiceover. Because like industrial voiceover, most of it's like, uh, they're doing VR tutorials for like electricians oh, right. okay. and uh, plumbers and stuff like that. And so I'll play a lot of those characters remotely. And a lot of the mocap and that's very rudimentary, you know, mm -hmm. dude standing next to a control box, but there's a bunch of fixed dialogue in it. Right. You know, and then, you know, they avoid accidents because they can do a virtual uh, tutorial on plugins or whatever the sure. hell they're doing. Obviously, I don't know what I'm talking about when I get that script. So <laughs> I have to make it sound like I do. So there's a lot of that. And then there's like commercials for like insurance companies or whatever and stuff like that. So it's been a, a weird sort of like, I started one way. I was going to be, you know, in your head, you're like, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And then you just play the hand you're dealt and you maximize it. So it's been a journey. Adaptability. Yeah. Fits into the martial art thing quite well. Oh, my God. We'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah. So did you initially want to be a, like on-camera actor? Mm -hmm. And then this is where you ended up. Yeah. And, and I also At still... At this point. Yeah. And I still get plenty of opportunities to be on camera, but it's one of those things where... Uh, 
again, it's the industry confirms itself. What have you done for me lately? Kind yeah, of thing, yeah, right? yeah. So um, if my hot hand is in, in audiobooks and I'm getting paid really good money for that, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes the opportunity cost of stepping out of the booth and becoming an on-camera actor is, is less, Correct. Yeah. right? So even if they're like, oh, I'm going to pay you a couple of G to be on camera, I'm like, well, then I lose these four clients that pay me all year. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so there's a bit of like, now I'm, now I'm, I'm boxed into a very good niche. Mm -hmm. But I also know that maybe one day my niche is going to blow up because technology could get right. rid of my entire job. Yeah, that's true. Maybe not. It's, we've seen it. <laughs> Right. Forever in human history. <laughs> right. Like, you know, there's like things like deep voice, other stuff that's coming out. And we might use it for a while for pickups to shorten, you know, the, the post post production yeah. and stuff like that, because they can just change what I said, but they keep the sure, same performance. Yeah. It's like the uh, Adobe thing. I think I saw a beta version or a really early testing version at one point, and they sampled maybe a, a paragraph of someone's voice and they literally could engineer this person saying anything. Right. And, and that was eight years ago when I saw that? Yes. So now it's got to be out of control. Yeah, and yeah. I, I imagine, too, the, the other issue is, like, I'm feeling like that's happening with on-camera as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the Unreal Engine for even stunts. Yes. You know, um, so it's very, like, I'm familiar with what's going on with me, but I've only got my toe in what's going on with other people's stuff, and I kind of feel like even if you were to diversify, you're still yeah. going to get hit with the same wave. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like, it's... I don't want to sound dooming, but you have to kind of know something's yeah, coming and you don't right. know what that's going to be. Yeah. You know, at some point we're going to see new movies from John Wayne mm -hmm. and that's going to be short lived and you're just going to start having probably these movie stars that don't even exist. They're going to yeah. be completely created people who look real. Or at the same time, you know, it might be the resurgence of the impressionist. Like somebody yeah. can do really good impressions, they do a face swap, sure. bang, it's almost 100% of whatever it is. Because, yeah. you know, the Uncanny Valley is kind of like, if they fully replace somebody, it doesn't sound real. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if, I, if I'm playing an instrument and it's on an amp and it's doing all this wah you know, it, right. it enhances it. So I imagine there's going to be a weird middle point where I'll still be narrating, I'll still be doing voiceover, mm -hmm. but I won't be doing any pickups. Right. And right. then right. something else will come after that and it might be just like somebody sampled my voice without me knowing. Yeah. And then I'm like, <laughs> I have to... Oh, I have, oh. I have to catch that. Yeah. I have to go out and f like maybe create a bot that polices yeah. my license voice. And that, that's voice. what it's going to be. Yeah, it's right. Be all computer done. Because they'll they'll hack the I guess performance IP or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and then there'll be the what is it with music where you change every eighth stanza, every eighth beat or something. Then then it's not a copyright infringement, and they'll start doing that with your voice. Like, well, we're just going to change the inflection every so many. Right. The bot will do that, and then the other bot can't catch it, and then it'll right. just be this constant game of. Yep. Stuff we don't even understand. Anymore. No, no. And, and, and you know, it's, it's hard not to get my head wrapped around that. But at the same time, I'm just like, just play the hand you got. Um, get ahead of the wave. Maybe make a prediction. I mean, there's always like, try and buy some real estate. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's spooky. Especially here in California, yeah, Los right? Angeles. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's what happened during this pandemic. And then... Uh, Man, that the the martial arts journey here has been a rewarding one because everyone here has kind of got a similar like yeah they've tried eight million different things of course everyone's plugged in that, that's why I get so much uh, for this podcast just by plucking from the Santo right. Academy alone because there's so many diverse people 
mm-hmm. with what they do away from this. Right. Which is what makes the whole thing interesting. Yeah. For me, you know, eventually I'll start plucking people from outside a bit, but you know, right. I, I've got, I think I made a wish list and I'm in the hundreds with people just directly first, you know, first degree of separation from here. Right. You know, it's crazy, but it's good. It's a big family. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's uh, I, I I don't even know where to start on here. I'm gonna have to. Well, go let's let's go back to martial art origins. What what where did you start martial art? Like when and and what was it? And what got you interested in it? Hmm. Well, okay. So when I was really young, at the age of six, and I know biathlon is not considered a martial art, but in my mind, it kind of is. What, what's that again? Biathlon. Oh, okay. So I'm from Canada. Aha. Uh-huh. So I was doing cross country skiing and marksmanship. Okay, projectile weapons. It's area eleven, right? Yeah, I understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, as a, as a little kid, it teaches you safety, fundamentals oh, yeah. of safety, absolutely, and understanding like what are dangers with these things. And um, you know, it's it's a it's a contro- controversial subject because in my mind, I also remember having a firing range in my high school. Mm-hmm. On, in the basement. Wasn't unusual in the United States either. Right. Um, this is Canada, right? right. Canada is highly regula- yeah. regulated with its firearms, but that mm-hmm. also meant anyone who is using firearms had a lot of training, almost Correct. like DMV. Well, I shouldn't say the DMV. It's very strict. Well, uh, There's a lot of courses you yeah. have to take. Let's say if a, you've got upper licenses for heavier vehicles and things like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that set a lot of, I think that's the beginning, understanding safety, and then like maximizing certain attributes like athleticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, biathlon, for a little kid, when you think about it, if I'm six years old and I'm skiing a couple of kilometers every time, I'm alone. Right. I'm alone out on course. Mm-hmm. And then I come into the range and I have to crawl my way up to the shooting rest and mm-hmm. close the bolt, breathe. Yes. Like, you know, it, there's a lot of things where you're like, that might not be considered a martial art, but in my mind I go, that kind of is. Well, it is. You and know? I think there's a thing about the sh- shooting on that level that people don't understand unless you've really looked at say some of the best military snipers out there right. firing these 50 caliber right. guns from a long range yeah. and they start talking about firing between their heartbeats and mm-hmm. controlling their breath so as to not because a little shake on this end mm-hmm. is a big miss on the other end. Right. If you're talking about a long range. Basically, your errors double every barrel length to the target. Yeah. And you've just done this cross-country skiing. So mm-hmm. your heart rate is up. Mm-hmm. Your breath is labored. Mm-hmm. And now you have to calmly mm-hmm. hit a target from a distance. I actually think from, from because of doing that as a kid, I've always had low, low blood pressure. Oh, wow. So like a lot of it has to do with like, it's, it's a controlled stress response. I'm not saying this is applicable to all things, but mm-hmm. there are times where I go, that's from my first sport, you know, where if I'm having a bad reaction to something, I can literally go, and I can feel my heart rate go boom, boom, Wow, boom, that's boom, incredible. Boom, that's boom, that's boom, a big boom, part, boom, I think, boom, of martial art that, it's something I'm looking into a lot, right. stress inoculation. Right. Uh, because I think you, get to, in any training, um, uh, 40 years this year for me mm-hmm. in martial arts. So, you know, the, the physical part, I've got some moves right. that I can count on right. uh, without thinking. 
So now what's, what's the next thing is dealing with that stress of a situation. Right. I've been a very fortunate person in that the last fist fight I've been into, I was 16 years old. Yeah. The last situation where I was actually threatened by someone, um, kind of threatened me with, oh, I've got a gun in my car. The car was a good 30 yards away. You're like, I can close that distance. So, yeah, exactly. So, you know, stress situation. <laughs> I didn't fight him, but I did put him on the ground and hide his keys, right. I should say, right. somewhat creatively, right. uh, long enough for me to get away. Right. Um, I don't run into a lot of situations no. because fortunately, physical attributes, I'm six foot four and 260 pounds. Right. So I don't get a lot of nonsense. Right. But, you know, that also doesn't give me a lot of practice in dealing with the stress of it either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You sound like, it, you know, um, but I, it's, it's odd how much that one thing uh, set the stage for everything else. Yeah. Um, because I can remember times where, you know, you're a little kid and, and I was crying, you know, because you're like, I remember there's this like couple of times where you'd be out on course and it's cold and your hands are getting frozen Ooh. and you're skiing and you're skiing and you're skiing and you're like, I can't make it. But then you look around and it's the prairies mm -hmm. and the you next, the next judge is over the hill behind a tree. So you have to at least make it to the judge. Right. And then when I make it to the judge, my hands are a little bit warmer. And so the psychology of that sort of feeling of being a little kid and going, oh, I'm by myself and then getting right. through and like, and then you get into the range and you're like, huh, I'm going to shoot now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know this sounds really negative, but I'm trying to paint it in a positive light because eventually what ends up happening is you go, the only way through this situation is through and I'm going to make the best of it. And then at the end of at the end of that experience, you're like having hot cocoa with your friends, right? And like that that cold snot in your face warms up, and you can yeah. wipe it away, and uh, you know. And there's like this weird euphoria, like you survived some life threatening thing, yeah. you know. But most of it was your head; it was just yeah. you. It's perspective experiences it gives you perspective, yeah. Yeah, and then when you get older, you start going, "Well, what's my clock time? What's the penalty?" Right. Da 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 da, da. and you start doing all these all these things. But like for a while, you're like, "I just need to pull, keep pulling and That's skating." Right. Like, like, and the distance seems immeasurably large. But like when you grow up and you see what the distance was, you're like, "That wasn't that far." Yeah, yeah. yeah. But back then horrible you thought you were like gonna die and nobody would find you like they would find you you they'd be like brian hasn't been in here in a while yeah snowmobile yeah, yeah, concerned yeah be concerned so it's i mean like going back to that playground you were on as a kid looking at that that super big monkey bars right. that you're now taller than going wait a second yeah what yeah <laughs> yeah so i mean it set the stage for also being able to be alone yeah and i feel like martial arts is a is there's a community aspect, there's a training aspect, but I also think a lot of the things you face are, are, are just you. Yeah. Whatever's going on is happening in your head. It's super cool in that way. Yeah. It's a team sport and an individual sport all together. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then like, like how do you empty your ego? Like somebody's trying to help you and you're like, leave me alone, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I like, know what it is. And like, that's all part of it, but you can't, you can't like explain it to a little kid. You, you, you know, you gotta experience these things and then go, wow, I was really mean to that coach, you know? Um, and that was, the, that was the first thing, I think, that set it up. Um, and I think when I, when I switched over to boxing in my teens, you know, you have an ego, and you're like, I'm going to do this thing. And I remember training with some friends for a while, and, and my, my brother uh, was also, he was a boxer, and 
he did some some uh, really awesome uh, uh, tournaments and stuff like that. And then he was like, I'll tra train you. And it was first started off as a recreational thing. You know, I had the double-ended ball in the basement and a heavy bag and some big mirrors. And then we went to this place called, um, what was it? Wind Warriors Boxing Gym. It's in, it's in Edmonton. I hope, hopefully it's still open. But they actually managed to turn out a bunch of Olympians. Wow. So I was like, I think under Larry Fleming and uh, um, I think Wald Fleming was Olympian, whatever. And then there's some other people came out of there. I, we, again, getting your ego emptied. Uh, I was 13 and I remember fighting two little brothers in sort of a, a, a probably a very light round robin, but to me it was life-threatening because <laughs> I had never encountered, you know, people who just do ring time all the time. Uh -huh. No idea. So I'd been training in a basement, I got some moves, da 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 da, da. Yeah. And then my brother was like, go, yeah. fly, little child. <laughs> And it was Frisco and Omar, and they were how much younger than me? I think I, one of them was nine years old, and the other one was seven, and I was 13. So I had a reach, right? Yeah. But I remember them, like I was like, jab, 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 right, jab, right, jab. I'm like, oh, this isn't so bad. And then left hook went off in my head. Bonk. And it sounded like a shotgun. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, Pow! And I, I was like, what? And then like <laughs> everything in my life turned on its head, uh -huh. you know? And now I'm dealing with this problem, this adversary, who's obviously just playing with me. Right. You know, because they've got way more ring time than I do, and they've lived here. Mm -hmm. You know, because they're, they're those kids that just, they live in the gym, yeah. and they just think fresh meat. Right. And, and they've been punched at a few thousand times. Right, right. And whatever their background is, they're monsters. Mm -hmm. But they're following their coach's instructions. So, like, I remember hearing one of the cornermen, like, just your left hook, Frisco! And then... <laughs> And I'm thinking just his left, and I couldn't see it. Like they were, they were so good. Wow. They were so outmatched me that I was like, okay, ego, dump that out. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, I, I, I remember there was sort of a turning point, like sitting in a locker room with uh, me and my best friend Mark, and uh, I was thinking, I don't like this. <laughs> I should do more of it. So. That's where I, 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 and then we went back to the drawing board. We were down in the basement. We got more sparring time in. We started going to the backyard in, during the summer. Uh, you know, that's when UFC first came out. And we watched the first UFC. And we're like, what is this Brazilian jiu-jitsu yeah. stuff? Like, it was just like, it was blew our minds. Like, we're like, okay, so we just got beat up in boxing. And there's this thing, this thing over here yeah. with all this other now stuff. Now I can get thrown on the ground and tied into a pretzel too? Yes. Ah. You know, we were watching Bloodsport and like, oh my God. And then, uh, so we decided to start training at Circle Square Boxing Gym, which is more of the middle ground. Like I remember Wind Warriors was very much like hardcore ring time all the time. And for me, that was just too much because the headaches were just too big. Yeah. But then the thing that was interesting was uh, Circle Square had a nice mix of ring time and technical and, and like hands-on coaching. And some of those coaches we found out had actually left Wind Warriors to start Circle Square. Oh, okay. And this is still back in the day where the coaches would chain smoke. You know, the <laughs> office, the office is full of, of smoke. And they're like, oh, what do you want to do today? It's <laughs> classic. I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that new style, huh? So, like, it was one of those fascinating things where, um, you know, you have to explore what options you want to have. So we went and, and did that for a long time. And um, it was just, it was a great experience. Like, cause everyone coming in and out of that gym was also doing fight cards. 
And, uh, you know, of course, my, my best friend Mark and I were always focused on school, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, we're, we're in junior high, high school. And the thing is, you know, we had, we had parents that were like, I don't want you to scramble your brains. And so <laughs> they never wanted us to fight. But I would say we got a lot of really good sparring in with people mm -hmm. who were doing, uh, doing ring time and stuff like that. I think it was Tony Bad Boy Badia, and there was Tony Pep. And there was a few other guys out of there who like, you know, obviously in my mind, I thought I was doing well against, but they were right. probably coddling us right. like, to no yeah, end. Yeah. Um, but like, it was, it was a cool place. And then, and then what happened? University, ah. university, and then of course, the university takes over everything. And this concludes the abbreviated version of the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast. Please click the like and subscribe buttons as well as the notification bell. Also consider subscribing to the full-length podcast at www.patreon.com slash malmag or purchasing individual full-length episodes at malmag.gumroad.com. Thank you for listening to this episode with Ryan Burke. Coming up next week, adaptive martial arts expert, Brandon Ryan. Check out the Malmag store at www.martialartslifestylemagazine.com and click on the store tab. There, you will find a full selection of Timmy B's brand sticks for FMA and Kirby Kubrong, as well as Timmy B's and Dos Manos t-shirts. Many more products coming soon. Also click on our courses tab to purchase online courses, right now featuring a course in the Dos Manos stick of FMA. More courses to come. This show is produced by Martial Arts Lifestyle Magazine. Visit us at www.martialartslifestylemagazine.com and enjoy the free version of our online magazine with articles, a recommended schools page, and a worldwide events calendar. Music by Jack Al Relic. Martial Arts Lifestyle Magazine and the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast are trademarked and copyrighted by TNT LLC. Yeah.